How many of you have seen the film Jaws? Wait a minute. Uh, see, the same result, the first service. The, the problem is that you don't understand real English. Jaws. How many have seen Jaws? All right, that, that's better, yeah. In England, jars are what we put honey and jam into, you know. And, but um, that film, uh, of course, is an old film now. And um, there's a scene in the film where Captain Quint and Officer Brody and researcher Hooper are passing their time on the boat while they're out hunting down this great white shark. And after too many beers, Quint and Hooper, they begin comparing their wounds. Just keep your attention to the screens right now and you'll see a little bit of this film. You know why we find that so funny is because it's so true. We can identify the wounds that have happened physically to us, but actually there are wounds that happen that are on the inside of us. And it's not so funny um, when you look at that. You see, the wounds of our bodies, the physical wounds that we suffer, they can be soon healed up and we can move on in life. But the scars that come from inner wounds... The scars that are caused by the hurt of our past and the hurt that people have done to us. How many know they don't heal so well? And the fact is that we, if we are honest, um, the fact is that none of us in this room this morning will make it through life without us being hurt on the inside at some time or another. And those scars and those wounds, as I say, they don't heal so well. Take it from me, friends, uh, whether you understand this or not. Maybe if you're a little older, you'll understand it. If you're younger, you may be wondering about it. But the fact is this, life hurts. Whether it's memories of abuse and rejection, or, or whether it is the disappointments that have come into our lives and have happened in our lives. Disappointments in our family, disappointments in our work life, disappointments in our relational lives. The fact is that those wounds hurt. It may be the wounds of divorce. It may be the wounds of sickness. It may be the wounds of depression. It may be the death of a loved one that we've not got over and it still affects us. And dare I say, it may be even the wounds that are caused by the church. It may be that church life and church people have hurt you and scarred you on the inside, that there are wounds on the inside of you that affect you right through until this time. I know it stinks, friends, but life hurts. Let, let, let me tell you something else. Hurts accumulate. Oh, oh yes, they, they accumulate. When we don't need, know how to really deal with our hurts, the fact is that the, they accumulate on the inside because we hide them, we force them down, we drive them down, and they accumulate, and at times they surface, uh, and the pain continues. Uh, Have you ever heard someone say this, that time heals every wound? Well, that's a lie. Time does not heal every wound. 
uh, some here today went through things 20, 30 years ago, and you are still being affected by that hurt right up until this time. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had an old guy sit in my office and uh, he told me about something that happened 50 years ago in his life that is still affecting him today. And tears rolled down his face as he poured it all out. And he told about hurts that happened 50 years ago that has marked his life right up until this present time. See, here's the truth about inner hurts, the hurts that happen on the inside. I have to tell you this, friends, that our emotions can only be healed in the presence of God. That is the only place where you can know real healing on the inside is in the presence of God. See, the fact is that um, accumulated hurts... They affect every part of our lives, whether it be our mental life or whether it be our emotional life, whether it be our work life, it can affect our physical life, it can affect our relational life. You know, uh, when, when I first got married as a, as a 21-year-old, um, uh, the, the best catch lady has had, had ever come across, and I, I said to Larry, you know, when we get married, we're not going to be like your family, and we're not going to be like my family. We're going to be our own thing. That was the biggest lie I ever told her. Because how many know we're all affected by our past? We're all affected by our upbringing. We're affected by the things that go on in our family, in our work life, in our school life. The fact is that we are marked by the hurts of life. Uh, and, and let me tell you something else. This is another thing that you need to know. It is that hurts are always dealt with. Always dealt with. If we don't deal with them in a right way, then we deal with them by hurting others or by hurting ourselves. So past hurts are always dealt with. We, we either deal with it rightly or now we begin to allow things to happen in our life that are all coming out of the hurts of the past. This morning, I want to look at three people in the Bible that were related to each other. And I want you to see their lives and the way that they were hurt and the way that they handled their hurts. The three of them didn't handle their hurts well, and the fact is um, that they just show us a picture of the way that every one of us handle hurts if we don't handle them in the right way. So this morning I want to look at three well-known people. Well, actually, uh, two of them are more well-known than the, the, the last one. I, I want to look at um, David, uh, who is King David in the Bible. And I want to look at his two sons. The one was Solomon that we know pretty well. And the other one was named Absalom. So these three guys, three different guys, they handled their hurts in different ways. You see, David, David was one that self-medicated his hurt. You, you remember, you remember, don't you, that David was the youngest son of Jesse. And, and, and the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, you know, the Lord has told me that um, I am to anoint one of your sons to be king of Israel. 
And so he said, I want to see all your sons. So he lined up his sons. He had seven or eight sons and he lined up his sons. And Samuel went along the line and he looked at each of them. And some of them were strong and muscular. They looked kingly. But as he went along, he was waiting to hear a sign from God that he was standing in front of the one that God had chosen to be the king of Israel. Now the sons were there, but but for one son. His name was David. He was the youngest son. He was often called in the Bible a scrawny shrimp. And the fact was that, uh, that, that Jesse never even thought it was worth his while bringing David in to stand before Samuel. Well, Samuel got to the end of the line and he says, God hasn't showed me any of these are going to be the king. He says, are you sure you got all your sons here? And so Jesse said, well, yes, and, but well, well, you know, David, my youngest son, is out looking after sheep. The, the youngest one, he's out there. And, 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 and Samuel said, bring him to me. I want to see him. And so he brought in this scrawny shrimp of a guy named David. And as he stood before Samuel, God spoke to Samuel and said, anoint him king. That's the one that I've chosen. And so it was that you know the story that Samuel anointed him king, and um, and and the facts are that he became one of the greatest kings in Israel. But, but you see, it gives us a sign of what happened with David and why he was marked by his hurt. You see, as the youngest son, he was always rejected. As the youngest son, he was always left out. As the youngest son, he was always the one that was last in line. He was never thought of as important. He was never looked on as the rest of the family. And he suffered that all of his life up until that time. And he was affected by the hurt of rejection. He was affected by the hurt of humiliation. He was affected by the fact that he was always the one that was last in line and never thought thought of and it affected his life and as we read his story we find that he self-medicated his hurt you will know that David had addictive behaviors he he was known to have a sexual addiction and and, and was also given to black moods he was always uh, often in these depressive moods his emotions would take over and would drive him and he would handle issues wrongly because of these dark periods that he would go through and the fact was that he was affected by his upbringing you know some people self-medicate their hurts whether it's by sex, some do it with drugs, some do it with alcohol, some do it with food. And and I know you ladies will hate me saying this, some do it by shopping. Now I need to come in here and apologize to the ladies because I know some men that self-medicate by shopping as well. They may have different toys, but they do self-medicate. And the fact is that it's all a cover-up. It's a cover-up of the pain of the inside. Some uh, uh, who are on prescription drugs uh, are, are on them because of the fact of the pain of their past. And so David self-medicated his hurt. Now his other son Solomon, or his son Solomon I should say, self-motivated his hurt. 
By that, I mean this. He, in his hurt, the way he handled his hurt was that he became a workaholic to cover up the pain of his hurts. See, the fact was that, that Solomon was, was absolutely haunted by his father's sin. Oh yeah, if I tell you that his mother was Bathsheba, you will remember the story that David, a married man, had fallen for another man's wife, Bathsheba. And, and not only that, not only did he now go after Bathsheba, but he also made a plan so that her husband would be killed in battle. He made sure that this husband was put in such a place in the battle that he was sure to be get, to get killed. And, and, and the fact was that he was killed and David took Bathsheba to be his wife. And, and Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. Now the fact was that he grew up knowing the story. And he grew up knowing that all Israel knew the story. He suffered the pain of people talking about this stuff and the way that David handled it and the way that it went on. And the fact was he was in the grip of fear and of shame over the whole thing. And he tried to cover up his pain by working. He, he tried to cover up his pain by becoming very successful. In fact, he, he became the richest man on earth, the Bible says. He, he became the envy of everyone around the world. Do you remember the story of the Queen of Sheba? That she wanted to get to Solomon to see why it was that he was so rich and successful. You see, his business and his workaholism was all an attempt to cover up his pain. To cover up the shame of the past. To cover up the things that had gone on. And so he worked his way into the place of seeking to force down the pain by being active all the time. He was the kind of guy that had to be doing something all of the time. He was always thinking and coming up with new ideas to became, become richer and more famous than he had been. But it was also that he would not have to stop a moment and deal with his pain. Oh, he got riches. He got success. But look what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verses 7 through 11. He said, I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything that a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. See, Solomon kept himself busy because when he stopped, the ghosts of his past would come and haunt him. 
Whenever he settled down and, and wasn't active, it was that the ghosts of the past would come in and now they would show up and begin to play on his mind and his emotions. You know, there are some people, not all people, but some people who are workaholics because they are seeking to hide from their past hurts. But they don't realize as they seek to hide from their past hurts, they are hiding from their healer, God. You know, when you're in pain, the last thing you want is for someone to touch the place where the pain is. Uh, If it was that you had cut yourself or you had a a wound and and someone didn't know and they they just happened to touch it, ah, you know, you you feel the pain. You don't want anyone touching that pain. And, And you know, it's same with the pain on the inside of us. Our worst nightmare becomes someone touching your pain. So we cover it up and keep motivated. We cover it up and pretend there's nothing wrong. We cover it up and become active. We avoid getting too close to anyone. You know, that's why Solomon had 700 wives. He didn't get, want to get close to any one of them. And the fact was that he didn't want anyone getting close. He didn't want anyone going deep. He didn't want anyone going further than the surface of his life. You know, if you're in the place that you pick up and drop friends regularly, you have a pain problem. You're hurting and you don't want anyone to get too close. But God comes to you this morning. And I want to tell you this. He'll never disrespect you. And he'll always be kind and he'll treat you graciously. But he's going to touch your pain. In fact, some of you are saying, preacher, you're getting a little bit too near now. And, and, and it's not me. It's God himself that's coming and saying, I love you too much to leave you alone. And listen, listen, you could go out of here this morning and never darken our doors again, but you won't run away from God. He will follow you wherever you go and he will come wherever you are. He will hunt you down because he has the answer to your hurt problem. Oh, you know, God turns up in bars and God turns up in, in uh, uh, whorehouses. He turns up in drug houses. He turns up in all sorts of places because he's not content to leave you alone. He says, wherever you are, I'm going to come and find you because I love you and I have the answer to your problem. And although you're hurting, I can heal you, is what God says. So... <laughs> It may be that you're one that self-motivate your pain. David self-medicated, Solomon self-motivated, Absalom, he self-meditated his pain. Oh, his his, his story goes down the hurt track. It it all started when his half-brother took advantage of and raped his sister... And it just got him. And here's the problem. David, who was the father in this thing, David, who was both Absalom's father and was the father of his half-brother and sister, David did nothing about it. David never handled it at all. And so it was that 
Absalom, he just stewed on this thing. It, it was that after two years, his dad had done nothing. And so the fact was that having stewed on it for two years, he decided he was going to do something. And he actually had his half-brother killed. And then he went after David. And he was going to kill his father. And the sad fact of the story was it led to him being killed. How many know that sometimes we're hurt by people who should never hurt us? But we have to make a choice how we deal with it. Meditators, they stew on their hurt. Listen to the way one of the Psalms puts it. It says this, When I was silent and still... Not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned. It is dangerous to meditate on your hurt, because the fact is the fire of anger will burn within you. When we meditate on our hurt, and we just keep it pressed down and covered up, and we don't deal with it in the right way, we will now be forced into the place of anger, and all sorts of things will break out against us. Now, if you are here this morning, and you deal with your hurts in any of the ways I'm talking about, either by self-medicating or self-motivating or self-meditating. Whatever way we trap the hurt inside, it's going to cause dysfunction on the outside. So when you trap your hurt on the inside, now there's going to be dysfunction happening on the outside. How many know this morning that most dysfunctional families are because of undealt with pain? And the fact is that things have not been dealt with. And so we find that medicators, they cause pain to others by their addictions. I sat in court on Friday from 10 o'clock in the morning till nearly 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was there to be with someone who has come through our church that wanted me there with them. And it turned out that their case was the last case of the day. So I had to sit through all these cases that were coming up. And over and over I was seeing mothers sitting up there pleading for their sons and dads pleading for their daughters who had gone into a dysfunctional place and now the whole family was disrupted and in a dysfunctional place because of the addictions and the crimes that were committed by these people. It all came out of the hurt. You see the fact is that medicators cause pain by their addictions. Motivators cause pain in others because they avoid people and they don't get into real deep conversations with people. They don't want anyone getting too close. And so it'll affect their marriage relationship and it'll affect their children's relationship with them. It'll affect every part of their life because they don't want anyone going deep. They don't want anyone touching the shame and the hurt of the past. Meditators cause pain to others because they will attack people. Hurting people hurt. And the fact is that they will now begin to attack people because of the hurts from the past that they are carrying into their life and carrying into their future. Now I want to move on to say 
that the only way to deal with pain and hurt effectively is to bring it to God. Psalm 55 verse 22 says this, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Cast in all your care upon him because he cares for you. You know, there are people all over that are going from one crisis to another crisis and they moan and groan in pain all because they refuse to bring their pain to the right place. They refuse to bring their pain to God. The only way you can get free from hurt is when you cast it on the Lord, when you lay it on the Lord. So many are afraid to bring it to God They're afraid to bring the hurt to God because of shame and fear and because of the fear of judgment. But listen, friends, God isn't our problem. He's our solution. He is the one that can meet us at the point of our pain. You see, God is not looking for a reason to reject me. He's looking all the time that I will open my heart so that he can come into me. He is not looking for a reason to reject me. He's not looking at the things I do wrong so that he can reject me. No, he's looking at my life and he is saying, I don't want to reject you. I want to forgive you. I want to save you. I want to give you a brand new start. I don't want you to shut me out uh, thinking that I'm going to judge you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you and forgive your past and give you a new start. We're encouraged in the Bible to... Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. You know the word mercy? It means undeserved help. That's what the word mercy means. He says, I want you to come boldly to me, that I may do what no one else can do, that I may heal what no one else can heal. You know our problem, friends, we are putting band-aids on wounds that only God can stitch up and it needs the stitching up of God. And how many know this, that when God stitches you up, there's no scar left? (laughs) The word grace means undeserved favor. God wants to pour his favor upon you. Hey, you need to know that none of us that are in this room right now, none of us in this room right now deserve the favor and the blessing and the forgiveness of God. None of us deserve it. He doesn't come for what we deserve. If we had what we deserve, we'd be in hell. But the fact is, he doesn't come to give us what we deserve. He comes to give us what we don't deserve. His forgiveness, his healing, and a new start in life. He is the God. God of the new beginning. You know why God understands human pain? I tell you why he understands. It's because his son's been through it. Jesus suffered unmercifully for crimes he never committed. He suffered for other people's sins. He understands what we're going through or what we've been through. So we have to take responsibility and bring our hurts before the Lord. You see, you can't allow the hurts of your past to form who you are and to form your future. You can't allow that to go on. 
It is that we bring our hurts before the Lord and allow him now to form us and to take us into the future that he has plans for us. We don't blame people, friends. Uh, You know, you hear people say, well, my friends are the problem. They did it. Or or they say, "My, my sister did it or my family did it, or my parents, or my grandparents did it, or, or, or my pastor, or my church did it. These people may have done stuff to me, but I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to now lie there as a victim, and I rise up, and I forgive, and I say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and gives me the ability to move on. You have to make a choice. That we don't live our lives dictated by the hurts of our lives. We have a choice that we can lie there in our wounds or we can bring our wounds to Jesus and let him heal our wounds. We, we can decide to live without regret and to be in a place where we forgive others. But not only that, we forgive ourselves and we move on in God's plan for the rest of our lives. We, we can make a, a decision to reject self-pity and make God and the center of his will the rest of our lives. I, I tell you what, you talk about self-pity. I, I, I am a reluctant reader of Facebook. <laughs> and, and how many know some of the stuff that's on Facebook? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very careful what I write on Facebook because I believe the world is watching, not only Christians, but unchristians as well. So I'm very careful what I put on Facebook. Um, and, and, and sometimes I wish I wasn't like that because some people write such garbage and, and they put on there such stories of self pity that they've got themselves into. I could write pages and pages to them, but I won't do it. But the fact is this, friends, we have to reject self-pity and make God's will and God's desire our plan for the rest of our lives. You see, we can make a decision to give people who have hurt us forgiveness and realize people who hurt people are in pain themselves. You see, because, because I don't know why people have hurt me does not give me the permission to hurt them or even to judge them. Remember, only God is our judge. Now, very quickly, I'm going to give you some practical steps here that will help you deal with your hurts, not only today but in the future. The first thing that you have to do is this, is to remember that hurts will come. You can't avoid them. Hurts will come. Here's the next thing that you've got to do. You've got to bring your hurt to God. Oh yeah, friends, we we can't get away from it. Hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you're expected to pray. And you're expected to have time where you come before the Lord. And and I thank God for that because every day, every day, friends, I come before him and I've got things that I need to ask him to forgive me for. And I have to tell him, I, I forgive those who have hurt me. 
In fact, the Bible is very clear that, that it is that we keep short lists of hurts. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, get it before the Lord. Get it forgiven. You know, as soon as you're hurt, forgive is what the Bible says. As soon as someone hurts you, forgive them immediately because you're not going to carry that into your future. You've decided, I'm bringing my hurts before the Lord. And every day I come before him and say, God, I did get hurt, but I want you to know that I've forgiven that one and I'm laying it at your feet. I'm not going to allow that to affect me from this moment on. Heal me. And we forgive as quickly as we're hurt. And then we refocus from the past onto the future. We don't allow the past now to affect our lives and to mold our lives in the future. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, forget what is behind, strain towards what is ahead, press on towards the heavenly goal. So he says, keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on the place where you're going. Don't let the things of this life and the hurts of this life now, now affect your journey to heaven. Paul says that we are to re-aim our focus, uh, that we are to now keep our eyes fixed on God and reach out to help others. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 1.4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You know, there's a poem that just sums I am here up God's offer to help you. I, want to I picked this up this week. I, I, I thought it just fit. Let, let me read this to you. It says, it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what the scar. There's healing for your life today. It doesn't matter what the sin. It doesn't matter how you fell. It doesn't matter what your hell it only matters, hear God say, there's healing for your life today. So let me ask you this. Are you a medicator? Are you gripped by addictions? Oh, it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol, does it? It could be a number of things. Is that the way you're dealing with your pain? Can I ask you if you're a motivator? You're controlled by workaholism or materialism, commercialism, and you're hiding from God and people. The fact is you're forcing it down by your busyness. Can I ask you, maybe you're a meditator and you stew on things and you force it down at the hurts of life and now you're beginning to hurt others because it always bubbles up and spills out in anger or it bubbles up and spews out in something that's hurting other people. Are you a meditator? Whoever you are, I'm going to invite you this morning to bring it to Jesus and let the healing begin. So if you're here this morning and you're willing to be honest, and I know that's very, very difficult for some Christians. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But some Christians, they just don't want, they don't want anyone to see that they have a problem. And you've carried it, even though you've been a Christian for years, you've carried your hurt. You've carried your pain. And this morning, God's putting his finger on it and you may wriggle in your seat. <laughs> I just saw a lot of you just sit up straight then. But, but you're wriggling your seat because God's putting his finger on your pain. 
the reason you're like you are is because of the pain of the past. And God's saying, I can't let that go on anymore. I want to heal it. I want to give you a brand new start. So if you're here this morning, you're a medicator, a motivator, a meditator, and you say, God, you put your finger on my life. I want you to do me a favor. And listen, I'm going to really help you before you get out of here this morning to really know healing. And so I'm asking you to be seriously honest. And if it's you, I just want you to stand right now where you are. God has spoken to your life. If you're in the balcony, yeah, God bless you. Please stand. You're saying, yeah, God, you really put your finger on me this morning. I need healing. I need you to touch me on the inside. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Some of you are sitting down because the person who caused you the pain may be in this room. And your thoughts are going in a million directions right now. You really need to, you really need to allow God. Allow God to speak into your heart. Don't get distracted now. Keep your mind here. But if you're saying, God, I need healing. I'm going to ask one more time if you'll stand to your feet right now, if that's you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you do what I can't do? Right now, will you do what I can't do? Will you convict and draw to yourself? Will you bring healing in the name of Jesus? Now, I'm going to lead you through something this morning that I've been presented with that I found a great help. It's called representational repentance. Some of you are saying, I think that I'd be free from my pain if I could get an apology. Well, I want, to, I want to give you that opportunity. So every one of you are on your feet. Don't sit down. I know every one of you and where you're standing right now. If you sit down, I'll come and get you. But right now, I want you to come down and join me at the front. I want to help you before we go out of here to get free. Now, don't be afraid as you come. You may find yourself weeping because the Holy Spirit is now beginning to work on your life. He's going to heal you. God is going to heal you right now. And as these people are coming forward, and I want you to crowd in, all right? Crowd right in. And, and if you're in the balcony, we'll wait for you. Just come right down that side hallway and out through this door here. You'll get in. That's right. Come right in. Come right in. I just feel some people are sitting down right now and right now God is saying to you, you should be up there. Hey, sink your pride. Sink your inhibitions. Don't let the devil win now. You get up and come right now. And Jesus is going to meet you. Jesus is going to meet you. Lord Jesus. Now I want you to look to me a minute. You know, representational repentance is a ministry exercise developed to help you move forward in the forgiveness process. Some of you have been deeply hurt by people and you wish you could have got at least an apology. And it's, 
it's impossible for some of you to get the apology because the people that hurt you have died. But you're still carrying the pain. You're still carrying the hurt. Now, now what we've done, we've put a video together here at Riverside. And we put it together very purposefully to represent the people that may have hurt your life, that you're waiting for an apology from. And, and, and this morning, I want you to receive it. As, as you listen and as you watch, I want you to receive it as if that person is the person that hurt you. And listen, if you're out there in the congregation and you haven't come forward, if you see anything on this video that speaks to your life and you say, that's me, that's coming to me, I want you to just stand where you are, all right? And you don't have to even come to the front, just stand where you are. But I want you all to watch the screens right now, if you will, please. I am here as a brother and son, and I want to apologize for the terrible ways I have behaved. I am sorry for disrespecting you, telling you I hated you, and considering my friends more important than you. I am sorry for wrongfully blaming you, discouraging you, and teasing you. I am sorry for my selfishness, for my pride, and for the lies I told. As my parents and siblings, you should have been the ones I cared for the most, and I failed. I was wrong, and I asked for your forgiveness. I am sorry. stand before you as a sister and daughter. I'm sorry for what my actions have done to our family. I'm sorry for rebelling, running away, using drugs, alcohol, and the terrible choice of friends and men. I'm sorry for being a brat and blaming you for my mistakes. I'm sorry for how my lies and neglect have affected our relationships. I'm sorry for the sleepless nights because you didn't know where I was or who I was with. I was wrong. I'm sorry for my selfishness and for not pursuing a relationship with you or our family. Missing holidays and birthdays. Family, I have been so wrong by not letting you into my life. Thank you for not giving up on me. Please forgive me. My precious child, I'm so, so sorry for the failure I have been, for the pain I have caused, for sleepless nights and tears you've cried because of me. My heart breaks over the physical and mental abuse I dealt you, unspeakable things that have caused so much pain and anger in your life. I'm sorry for not encouraging you and building you up. I've not been the father Christ has called me to be and led you and protected you as he does for us all. I have been selfish, hurtful, and wrong. I apologize from the bottom of my heart and ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry. Children and stepchildren, we are so sorry. I am sorry for the nasty things, kids, that I said about your mother. I'm sorry for the nasty things I said about your dad. Sorry for fighting about silly things and selfish ambitions. Sorry for keeping you up at night, screaming hurtful words to each other. We're so sorry for not protecting you from the things of this world. I'm so sorry we lived for ourselves and for the times we tried to relive our youth out through you guys. 
for pushing you further than needed, for not listening when you needed to be heard. I am sorry I left. We are asking for your forgiveness, saying sorry for the wrongs of our past. We love you. I stand before you as a grandparent. I am sorry I damaged your relationship with your parents, telling you things about them, encouraging you not to respect them or obey them. I am sorry for not valuing the position that I have in your life. I am sorry that I made you feel that my love was conditional, controlling you with fear and being critical and cynical and mean. I'm sorry for having favorites and not including you. I am sorry for treating you like a burden and not a blessing. My behaviors have been manipulative, lacking faith, hurtful, and wrong. Please forgive me. I stand before you as a spiritual authority in your life. I am sorry for putting the success of the church above the success of following Jesus and his kingdom. I'm sorry for the demand I made on your time, which caused you to neglect your family. I'm sorry for making you feel like an outsider, like you didn't matter. I'm sorry for making you feel like you couldn't hear the Lord yourself, that I was the only one who could. I'm sorry for the verbal abuse, for yelling at you, for the way I treated your family, your spouse, for not getting to know them, and for not caring about them. I'm sorry for demanding my way rather than seeking and pursuing a team decision. I'm sorry for using you for my agenda to accomplish my goals rather than blessing the gifts in you. Your gifting was a threat to me, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I let my anger get out of control and using it to manipulate you. God would never do that. I'm sorry for speaking in such a way that you didn't feel like you were valuable and had a place in the kingdom. I'm so sorry I took our counseling session too far and used you sexually. I'm sorry I did not care and protect you. You were a victim. I'm sorry for my behavior, which caused you to have mistrust in godly leadership. I'm sorry I used the Bible to make you feel guilt and shame instead of releasing love, acceptance, and freedom. Please forgive me. Right now, I want you to bow in prayer. And those of you who are standing, just bow in prayer too. Those of you who stood in the congregation as you've saw that. And in the name of Jesus, I declare healing to your inner man. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come and declare healing. That right now you will know that the Holy Spirit is reaching deep into the inside where the pain is, where the wounds have been opened and he is putting the wounds together and he is now stitching up the wounds and he is doing away with the scars. He is completely healing you by his touch and by his power. 
that right now as you have heard apology, that you will receive that as if it was the very people standing in front of you, that you will now forgive them because they only hurt you because they were hurting, and that you will give out forgiveness right now, and that you will leave this altar absolutely healed by the power of the name of Jesus, that you will know that the pain of the past is gone and that a new day has started, and that now you're putting your life into God's hands and he's going to form you from this day on because now you're going to know what to do with the hurts that come. As they come, you'll bring them to the Lord and you'll lay them at his feet. You won't let the sun go down on it. You will ask him to forgive and you will forgive and that you will move on in the will of God and know that God is with you, that God has healed you and what you couldn't do in the past, you can now do because God has healed the wounds of the past and instead of spewing out terrible stuff, you will now begin to pass on the love of God. Father, I pray in your name against every force of darkness. I come against every demonic power and bind its power in the name of Jesus. That God, they will not be now affected in their minds and in their hearts by the hurts of the past. But as the devil comes, they will be able to say, it's okay, it's all been dealt with, you can leave me alone. I'm a brand new person, I'm a brand new man, I'm a brand new woman. I'm going to walk with Jesus into the future. And they will grip you, Lord, they will grip your hand and never let go of your hand. Father, I pray in your name that right now the peace of God that passes all understanding will fill their hearts and minds, that they will hear you say, it's okay, it's done with. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. In the name of Jesus Christ, that which has affected you for years and years and years, the curse is broken in the name of Jesus. And this is a brand new day and a brand new beginning. You are set free. I want you to say that back to me. I am set free. I. Oh, come on, out loud. I want to hear it. Oh, I want you to shout it out. I want the devil to hear it and all hell to hear it. Come on. I am set free in the name of Jesus. Now give him some praise right now. Lord Jesus. Now before we go out of here, let me tell you a secret of walking in healing. It's this that I forgive the past and I seek to bless everyone I meet in the future, that I become Jesus to people. Amen? You are now carriers of healing. You can carry what you've heard this morning to others who are hurting. Some will reject you, but don't, don't worry about that. You just carry the words of healing. Don't come judgmentally to people. You come lovingly to people. I trust that in touching what I've touched this morning, you felt that I've tried to come in a loving way, but to direct you to healing. And, 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 and here's what I want you to do before you leave the front. I want women to women and men to men. I want you to turn and just hug someone because they need a hug right now and say, you are healed in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name.
Now may the blessing of God, the blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow, the blessing of God that brings healing to the wounded, the blessing of God that walks with you from this place, take you into a new life of healing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and God be with you.